Welcome to Convos from the Couch by Life Stance Health, where leading mental health professionals help guide you on your journey to a healthier, more fulfilling life. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Convos from the Couch by Life Stance Health. I'm Nicolette Lianza, and on this episode, I'll be talking with Stephanie Franzoni, a clinician for one of our Life Stance Chicago offices, and we'll be talking about partner sexual desire differences. So welcome, Stephanie. Great to have you on. Hello. Yes. So I wanted to tell you a little bit about myself. Of course. Love that. So I am one of the clinicians at Life Stance, and I one of the fun things about me is that I'm ASEC certified. So what that is, is the American Association for Sex Educators and Counseling Therapists. So that was an additional two years of school that I did after my program, nice. after my program in order to set myself apart of saying, hey, look, I love talking about human sexuality and I want to help you have the best sex life that you want and you desire. And this is a safe place for you to talk about all of that fun stuff. So that's nice. me. No, that's great. That's great. I didn't know that there's an additional kind of schooling and everything you get to become certified. That would make sense. It definitely makes sense for sure. So great. No, awesome. Because we know sexual desire differences can definitely be a source of tension in relationships. So I'm really looking forward to you giving us some tips on how to navigate this. I think a good way to begin is for you to tell us a little bit, what is sexual desire discrepancies? So I want to normalize the fact that desire discrepancy happens to most people at some point in their relationship. Mm -hmm. It's a very normal thing because if you think about it, when we're saying desire discrepancy, we're assuming that everybody's going to be in the mood to have sex or connect erotically at the same time, which mm -hmm. realistically is not the case, at least for the majority of people, that's not the case. So that's what we're going to be talking a little bit about now is, okay, when it comes to our desire and our libido, some of us are spontaneously aroused. Basically, we were like walking through the supermarket and you're like, <laughs> I can go for some sex right now. Kind of like when you get that craving for pizza. But for the majority of people, spontaneous arousal is not necessarily the go-to. So what to do when your partner comes home and they're like, I could really go for some sex. And you're like, that is the last thing on my mind right now. So how do we navigate that? Yeah, that, that's some interesting points you, you bring up there because that is a very good point. And so I, I know you'll be giving us some tips on how to navigate that. Before you do, what are some common reasons for the desire differences? So common reasons. Let me paint a picture for you for a minute. You both are working, let's say, full-time and you come home. Maybe you have kids. Maybe you have dogs. Maybe it's just a stressful day. When it comes to being relaxed enough to be in an erotic place, granted, some people do use sex as a way for stress relief, right? That is a very valid thing. We're taking the assumption that right now we're painting this picture of maybe two stressed out individuals who don't necessarily use sex as a way of releasing some of that tension. So when you're stuck in that, your shoulders are up by your ears kind of a thing, and you're just the last thing you're thinking about is sex. Now also take it to the parent, right? You're being touched all day yeah. by your little one and you are yeah. just so overstimulated. And the last thing you want is your partner coming and touching you and doing one of those like, hey, baby, how's it going? You're like, I have been covered in baby vomit all day. Leave me alone. Um, <laughs> uh, another super common one. Think about when you were at the beginning of your relationship. Think about how much effort you put into the date. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. 
getting yourself ready, picking out a favorite outfit, shaving a body part, all of these fun things. There's a lot of anticipation. Yeah, good word. Yeah, anticipation. Yeah, yeah. When we're in a longstanding relationship, we start to get comfortable, which isn't a bad thing. But we don't necessarily put in as much effort like maybe we used to when it comes to building up that anticipation to, to be erotic with our partner. And it's just imagine two people sitting on a couch now, both in sweatpants. One looks over at the other and goes, hey, baby, you want to have sex? The other one looks at the no, absolutely not. Why would I want to have sex with you right now? We're both in sweatpants watching our favorite show. Leave me alone. So there's our brain is our largest sex organ mm-hmm. and and that's the thing is it, it even though for some people it could just be a simple caress that gets us going for most we are a cold engine and we need warm up we need anticipation and yeah even. yeah <laughs> great i love the metaphors you're using there yeah that's you're agreeing i'm agreeing with that for sure so you know, we know that there's going to be some challenges that couples face when they have different desire uh, levels there. So what would be some of those challenges? So when one person is asking, right, is trying to communicate, mm-hmm. hey, let's connect, let's connect erotically. And then the other person is no, or not right now, or I don't feel good. That rejection that the partner ah, rejection yeah. pursuing that mm-hmm. can maybe make them minimize their own needs and they start to suppress their need for desire and their need for erratic connection with their partner. And then they stop trying altogether. <clears throat> and then that's what a lot of the times when they end up in my therapy office where one person is usually really angry and the other person's <laughs> just distant and withdrawn. They don't know what happened, but it really, it just comes down to maybe we weren't communicating in the way that would have actually benefited our relationship. And now we've just made up this narrative in our mind about, I never ask you for sex, even though I want it, because you always shut me down. And the other person's thinking, you don't romance me anymore, right? You can't just lean over. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Expect me to be aroused. Ready to go. Yeah. You do all these things for me. What happens? You have two very frustrated people to connect, but something got lost in translation. So what are some tips that you give to your couples you're working with to help with these differences? Schedule intimacy. Yeah. (laughs) Tell us more about that. What does that mean? (laughs) So going back to my earlier reference of how when we first start dating somebody, usually we plan a lot of dates. There's a lot of anticipation. There's a lot of planning. Mm -hmm. Bring that back. If you think about it, most sex is not spontaneous. Let's say you're connecting on the dance floor and you're feeling, you're both feeling very erotic. Generally speaking, some places this is fine, but generally speaking, you're not going to start having sex on the dance floor. There takes a little bit of planning, even if Mm -hmm. it's really small to say, hey, let's get out of here. My place, your place, car, alley, doesn't matter. But generally speaking, it's not spontaneous. So I, I get some pushback when I say schedule time for intimacy But then when we realize that's actually how we were being successful for so long in the past, it just makes sense. That's number one. Makes sense. Yeah. Put it on your calendar. Get a shared calendar. Tonight's going to be date night. Then remove the barriers to intimacy. (laughs) So what does that look like? How do you do that? I tell people, everybody has a gas pedal and a brake, right? We have our exciters. And we have our inhibitors. And it's good to know what those are and communicate those to your partner. An exciter could be 
I really like clean sheets. I like coming home to a nice clean house. I really like us to start sex with the shower. Inhibitors could be having the kids touch me all day, cleaning dirty diapers, coming home and being super stressed. Know what your barriers are. Mm -hmm. Express them to your partner. Say, hey, babe, we have date night on, on Saturday. I know that these are the things that usually put me in the least erotic place. Mm -hmm. Can we work together as a team to, to set ourselves up for success? Another tip I would say is ask your partner what time of day they're at their best to connect around. Yeah. Some people love morning sex. The, the stress of the day hasn't happened. Some people love afternoon sex because they're not morning people, or maybe they have a little lunchtime romp. Some people love the evening. They're like, okay, we've wined and dined and connected. And I, I'm just loving this vibe. Mm -hmm. For a lot of people, the fatigue of the day, your responsibilities of the day, and now it's nine, 10, 11 o'clock at night. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's going to be hard to want to try to get back into that place after you've just decompressed from work. That's a fair point. That's an excellent point. I think you just normalized that right there. When couples are like, oh, just tired. You just put it very well that, of course, we're going to be tired at the end of the day like that. So thank you. Yeah. That's good. Absolutely. Yeah. Plus, we all have our favorite shows we want to watch afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, now we have to shift gears once again. That's why I'm a huge fan of what are your days off? What time of day works best for you? Mm -hmm. Remove the barriers. And then get some excitement, get dressed up if that's the thing that works for you. Get a babysitter if that's the thing that works for you. But the thing is that neither one of you are a mind reader. So I know that's that a fair point right there, right? Exactly. <laughs> like you are not a mind reader. Just because we maybe do something once or act in a certain way, we can't expect our partner to know, right. of course, my barrier is our daughter needing me to do this for her. Of course, why wouldn't you like think this? Your partner is not a mind reader. So we have to let our partner know, maybe even sometimes several times, these are the things that get me going. These are the things that stop me in my track. I know that we have date night on Saturday. What can we do to set ourselves up for success? So communication, that's the whole point of you are not a mind reader. Your partner is not a mind reader. You mm -hmm. have to communicate. Excellent points. So what are just some things couples can do to help keep their sex lives healthy and satisfying just in general? Uh, I know I just said communicate, but that's the thing that's at the key. end of the day. Sit down with your partner, talk to them. What do you like? How do you like to be touched? Um, what positions do you like? What are your views on masturbation? What are your views on pornography? Should we watch mm -hmm. pornography together? Could that be fun? Do, is there anything spicy or kinky that we've had fantasies about? Fantasy versus reality is a whole different topic too, because in fantasy land, maybe we're a little bit more open to things in reality. Maybe the planning or whatever is happening might not necessarily get us there, but it's fun to talk about these things. So going back to your brain is your largest sex organ. The more that you talk openly about sex, the more you talk honestly about your needs, the more that we have sex, the more that we want to have sex. So we need to normalize talking about intimacy, just like we would talk about our grocery list. Love that. Yes. Love that. Any other takeaways you'd like to share? Have fun. If you haven't had a date night in a long time, let this be your sign. Let this be your sign to connect with your partner. 
to talk to them and say, hey, babe, tonight's date night and we have this beautiful fancy dinner planned. But you know what? I've always noticed we never have sex afterwards because we're both bloated. Can we connect erotically before? Yeah, yeah that's a good point. Good point. Yeah. <laughs> sex before food is usually my recommendation. <laughs> And again, something that maybe people maybe wouldn't necessarily recognize or think about. So, my gosh, you've given a lot of great tips here, Stephanie. My gosh, thank you. One other question. Is there a certain gauge that people should maybe seek out counseling if they're finding that they are struggling with these issues? Is there a certain point that it's okay, maybe it's time to get some help? Yeah, absolutely. Everybody's rhythm is natural and normal to them, right? I can't be like, oh, your sex life is healthy if you're having sex this many times a week, because that's not true for everybody. Mm -hmm. Maybe connecting once a month is your normal, right? Mm -hmm. But if you both want to connect and you're not, and you've tried things and you just can't figure out what's going on, that would be when you should come to counseling, right? Because if you're both satisfied with the level of connection that you have, great, keep doing you. But when there's obviously frustration or yeah. maybe there's these little like underhanded comments being made, come to therapy. Let's knit that in the bud together so that you can have your life back. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Once again, thank you, Stephanie. Great tips here. I'm sure our listeners are going to definitely take a lot of what you're saying here and hopefully translate that to their own. We'll say bedroom for sure. So thank you again. Yeah. Thank you. It was a pleasure. I'd also like to thank the team behind the podcast, Jason Clayton, Juliana Whitten, and Chris Kelman, with a special thanks to Jason Clayton for editing our episodes. Take care, everyone.